This program is supported by Amgen. Amgen strives to serve patients by transforming the promise of science and biotechnology into therapies for patients with serious illnesses. Learn more at Amgen.com. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. Every person's experience with mastectomies is different. Some people might experience extreme body dysmorphia following their surgeries, and others might find the healing process easier. Concerns about body image and sexuality are common and can be especially hard for young breast cancer survivors who find that regaining body confidence after a mastectomy can be difficult. Today's guest was diagnosed at age 36 with stage 3C triple negative breast cancer, and because of ongoing treatments has not yet been able to have a breast reconstruction or even have expanders put in. Here today to talk about how that has affected her physically, emotionally, and mentally is LaToya Folds Johnson. LaToya, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Adam. Glad to be here. I'm really glad to talk to you. This is such an important topic, and it's something that we don't, we don't really dive into enough. Um, so thank you just in advance for sharing your story with us. Um, and, and let's start there. Um, what is your story? Walk us through how you knew something was wrong and then what your diagnosis was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I found a lump last summer early last summer. Um, didn't think much of it. Um, I had just stopped breastfeeding my my baby uh, just about five months prior to me finding the lump. So I really thought that it was just a, you know, like a milk cyst, you know, just an enlarged milk gland um, from breastfeeding. And I, you know, continued to feel it a couple of weeks longer. My, I even had my husband to check it out. And, you know, I was like, all right, well, let me just, you know, just get it checked out, get a sound or whatnot. So uh, fast forward, um, you know, had a virtual visit and my physician ordered a mammogram and a sonogram and went to my appointment. And when I showed up, the radiologist, uh, you know, they kind of just stopped me in my tracks. They didn't want to do the mammogram because they were like, oh, you're 36. You don't need this. You know, um, you know, you just stopped, you know, started asking me questions. And I told him about the breastfeeding history and you know, he really didn't want to do the mammogram. He was like, no, we don't need to do that. We'll just do the sano. And I just pushed for it. I was like, no, I, you know, my physician ordered it. So let's just go ahead and do it. I'm here. Um, and so had the procedures done and I noticed on the images because I am a physician assistant by trade. I work in emergency medicine. Um, so I, I know how to read some imaging and interpret some images. Um, after the reading actually was interpreted as a galactosil, which is a benign milk cyst, as I was thinking, as you know, all along. Yeah. I'm 36, young, otherwise healthy, don't have any other, you know, chronic conditions or whatnot. And um, so a couple of days later, I get another call from a different radiologist um, who did an overread, who performed an overread, and he said, Hey, you know, uh, these images look suspicious in the in the margins. So let's get a biopsy. And mm. when he called me, my heart kind of sank because I'm like, I know what that means, you know, as a medical professional too. I'm like, uh, you know, this could be something else, you know? Mm. Um, so still, you know, still I'm, I'm nervous about it, but I'm still like remaining hopeful and positive. I'm like, you know, I'm still thinking that it's still a milk cyst. I'll go in ahead of biopsy done. They'll be able to aspirate fluid and I'll be done. Well, 
you know, went to the biopsy and the radiologist, the physician was not able to aspirate any fluid. And mm. I knew at that point that we were dealing with something that wasn't just benign. Um, mm. I was terrified at that point. Um, and, uh, you know, fast forward uh, a few days later on July 26, 2021, when I became diagnosed, I received a portal alert um, on my phone um, for my health, like my, my medical chart. Mm. And just clicked on it. I was actually at work. I was working in ER. I was working a long shift that day, a 12 hour shift. And I was actually in the middle of draining a breast abscess. Can you believe that? <laughs> and um, got the Porter alert notification on my phone. And I just read, I clicked on it and read my results because I was told that I was going to get a phone call. Right. So yeah. when I clicked on the Porter alert notification, I wasn't thinking that this would be something that's going to change my life forever. I'm really thinking that this is going to be, you know, a follow up benign report and maybe it is just assist and, you know, and not something malignant. And I found that at work. I, I found out at work that about my cancer diagnosis, a triple negative breast cancer diagnosis through my phone. No one wow. called me. You know, no one hmm. called me like they said they would. I found out through an alert notification on my phone. It was the most horrible day of my life. Hmm. I couldn't believe it. I just could not believe that I was, I, I thought it was an error initially. Yeah. So I, I panicked, but I really thought it was an error. I'm like, this has to be wrong, you know? And so I had my attending physician who was working with me that day. I had him to look at it too and pulled it up on the laptop. In the firm, they said the same. So now I'm panicking. I'm trying to reach someone at the physician office. And it was towards the end of the business day. So I wasn't able to reach anyone except a nurse on call. And she was like, yes, that's what the pathology report shows. And I'm like, no, someone is supposed to call me. Mm. And, you know, I left work because now I couldn't think straight. Yeah. I pull up in the driveway and my husband comes out and he just fall. He collapses on the ground because he knew that if we knew something was wrong. Mm. I'm never home early. I'm always, yeah. you know, I work 12 hour shifts. so I'm never home early. So right. he knew something was wrong. And fast forward, um, you know, I wasn't able to reach a physician that day. I got a phone call eight o'clock AM the next morning to say, you know, very, in a very dull and insensitive manner, a physician called and was like, you know, yes, you have triple negative breast cancer. I'm so like, this is correct. And he's like, yes, you will receive a follow-up call from the breast center. And that was mm. it. Mm. Very insensitive. And I just could not believe that, you know, patients can find out their yeah. life changing results in this matter. Like who, mm. who wants to receive an email, you know, right. or an alert notification for something like this? This should be something that a physician should be counseling you on. You either come in person or virtual or even a phone call to be more sensitive to let people to let patients know about a cancer diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's so that's shocking. how I found out. Mm. <laughs> And so, so I, that's a, that's a really terrible way to find out. And I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, so yeah. let's talk about treatment, uh, which mm -hmm. I hope hopefully has gone a little smoother. Uh, <laughs> tell us about how your treatment's been so far and what treatment you still have left. So, um, I finished 16 weeks of, you know, of chemo. Um, you did that. I did that 16 rounds of chemo, the, the adramycin, the red devil, the, the cytoxin and all that. I responded well to chemo. Um, my tumor, I was originally diagnosed, um, three C. And, um, so that means that it has spread to all of multiple lymph nodes. Um, and so 
at the end of chemo, I, my tumor had decreased in size from five and a half centimeters down to one centimeter. Um, and so, and then March of this year, I had a bilateral mastectomy with 26 lymph nodes removed. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, yeah. And so it, it has me at risk for lymphedema and I have to wear a compression sleeve and, you know, do um, um, therapy with that or whatnot. And I also just finished 25 uh, rounds of radiation hmm. as well in June. And now I am in a clinical trial here in Washington, D.C. area. And it, the trial is to um, basically it's kind of like prophylactic chemo with, hmm. with uh, prophylactic treatment because I still had residual disease at the time of surgery. So the standard of care for someone in my position is still to receive, um, you know, oral chemotherapy for like six to eight cycles plus immunotherapy. So I'm in a trial and is using ctDNA um, to also detect that my DNA was negative. And what that means is that my circulating tumor cancer cells were not detected in my bloodstream at this time, which is a really big thing. It's kind of like a liquid biopsy that shows like, hey, you have no cancer cells in your bloodstream. So that's a really big win. And I'm, you know, just remaining hopeful about the future and hope that once this is done, these six months are done with the chemo pills and immunotherapy that I'll be done forever. Mm, and then yeah. I can move on to getting my body back. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's great. It's, it, sounds, it sounds like you've got a good attitude about it too. So yeah. that's, that's really fantastic. It makes all the difference. So so I'm curious, um, you're in the medical field, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. I know you're the mother of three young children. How mm -hmm. hard has it been to be a patient when you're accustomed to be the one that's taking care of other people? That has been the most difficult part of it all. Mm -hmm. And I'll be very honest with you. Um, it makes me feel very vulnerable. Um, I, I'm not a good patient. I mean, as most you know, medical professionals, we're not good patients, you know, um, we, we minimize everything. Um, I just never thought I'd see myself on the other end of the spectrum as being the person being cared for. Mm. I was always the caretaker. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been very difficult for me. It's a little, a little bit better now, but still like, it's just, it's just, it doesn't seem natural. It doesn't seem real. Um, it really hit me like a ton of bricks that I was actually a patient when I had, and when I had to get my port placed and I didn't even want to stop working. I've worked up until the day before chemo, even with my port placed. Wow. In the ER, you know, at this point, you know, I'm immunocompromised with cancer and I'm still walking into COVID rooms with PPE and still seeing patients. But, you know, that made me feel somewhat normal, you know, take, still taking care of patients. So it's been very difficult with me being a patient it, it's it's a whole new world I, yeah i can i can just only imagine uh, but i admire i admire that that you were that you're working so hard up until the last possible minute <laughs> kind of amazing um yeah so so I, I also understand that because of your treatments you've not been able to get a breast reconstruction or expanders can you tell me a little bit more about that yeah so um you know i met with like three surgeons you know and basically they all advised that because I needed radiation, because I was 3C and it had spread to multiple lymph nodes, that I um, that in their opinion, getting expanders in at the time of the mastectomy, people tend to have more complications with radiation and can cause 
Um, you know, it, it can cause contractures of the expanders because the expanders are like basically temporary breast implants. And so the radiation, you're being zapped in sort of, in, you know, in so many words, you're being zapped every single day with all of these radiation beams in the targeted areas. And it can make the implants get hard and, and or they're more, you're more disposed to infection. Um, you're with the radiation, your skin becomes more fibrotic or thickened. And so they had concerns with that. And so it was a, it was advised that, you know, based on their history and based on what they've seen, what complications with other patients, like you, sh you probably shouldn't just get the expanders and people do better without the expanders as they're going through radiation. As a result, I never envisioned what that would look like until after surgery. And I saw my, I couldn't, I didn't want to look in the mirror initially for a while, for a few days. And when I saw myself, I just, I, I can't explain how it, it just, it, it weighed on me emotionally. It was a very, um, it was just very difficult. Yeah. So, I mean, talk, please talk more about that, the body dysmorphia and, and how that has impacted you and continues to impact you. Yeah. I mean, it's like, the way I can describe it, I mean, you know, for someone in general terms, whether you're male or female, it's like, imagine someone chopping off both your legs, mm. you know, and you have to now function and dress and, you know, still move on as you would normally every day, but now you're missing two vital parts of your body. And for me, um, having your 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 breasts completely removed from your body, um, it signified for me that okay, this was kind of like something where, where where it was being taken away from my femininity and my womanhood. You know, my breasts nourished my children. I I breastfed all three of my girls. Um, you know, my babies are two, five, and seven, so I have young children, and I breastfed all of, each and every one of them for you know, about a year each. So I took pride in that, you know, I was able to pass on life and immunity to my babies with my breasts, which is the natural thing to do. So it was taken away from me. Um, it affects my bonding with my children now too, because um, they, you know, typically would like lie on my bosom or lie on my chest or whatnot, they're breastfed babies. So there's, you, you know, that's a maternal bonding that we have. And now, when I was at home, initially recovering from the mastectomy, just a short few months ago, of course they couldn't lay on me. And then once I got better and the bandages were gone and you know whatnot, they were still scared to hug me. Mm. Still to this day, sometimes they you know they don't want to. Oh, mommy, you have a boo boo. You know, you know that's what they say. Mommy, you have a boo boo. Or my five year old, she says your brownies are gone. She calls my breast brownies. You know, so. You know, she's like, your brownies are gone, you know, and so it, it affects that and it really hurt my feelings. I'm like, oh, my God, my children don't want to bond with me anymore, mm. you know. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's another factor in it. And, you know, I'll try to, like, just put a pillow on my chest, you know, to try mm. to help soothe me and soothe them. And that works a little bit, but I still have residual tenderness that will probably be permanent and chronic. You know, even if my husband hugs me today, like he can't hug me too tight, you know, mm. because of the, the, you know, the area and the, just a residual tenderness. So it affects emotional bonding with your family, too. Mm. Um, 
Mm. I've had to wear prosthetics now, like if I'm going out, but those things are so heavy. Those, those, um, bra imp- the, the prosthetic bras, they, I mean, those things weigh like a hundred pounds. It feels like mm. it's not as comfortable. Um, you can't wear certain, you know, dresses or tops that you're used to wearing because you, now you don't have a natural cleavage line, you know? Right. So I've had to like, you know, just have to modify and revise everything. I have to be mindful of everything, certain things I can't wear. And even now with it being summertime and us trying to go on vacations with, you know, family and I, you know, certain bathing suits I can't wear. I don't look the same. I I didn't want to, I had a complete meltdown um, when my husband and I went on a a trip to Cancun um, a, a few weeks ago because of the way I looked in my bathing suit. Like I'll just, it's it's a lot. It, it, it no one prepared me for that. Mm. <laughs> I didn't know. Like, no surgeon said to me, you know, hey, we might need to put you in some mental therapy ahead of your mastectomy because this may affect you, your body image. You know, yeah. with them, with you not having those expanders in. Mm. And yeah. yeah, so it's 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 <laughs> it's been a lot. That sounds, that sounds like a just tremendous amount. I, you know, and I appreciate what you shared about, you know, just even that, that image of your children not being able to sort of lay on top of you, mm-hmm. right? Like that, mm-hmm. it never occurred to me. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's such a, that's such a, a normal thing, you know, that you're missing. And I, I pr- really appreciate you sharing that. I'm curious yeah. if you're, if you're able to share, are, are you willing to talk a little bit about how it affected your marriage and, and how that's going? Yeah, I mean, it it really disturbs my self-confidence. You know, my husband is has been my rock and he's very supportive and I would not be going, you know, would not be thriving and surviving without him. Um, but he, you know, he told me he he was like he didn't even want me to get the reconstruction because he doesn't want me to get the reconstruction because he's like he just doesn't want me to go through another, you know, surgery after everything I'm still going through. Um, but you know, he's saying that he doesn't care, but, and I appreciate that. And I love him for that. But for me, I still have to look at myself in the mirror and I don't like looking at myself in the mirror. And so it, it, it really disturbs my confidence. And like, it makes me, sometimes I don't want him to touch me or I don't want him to see me, you know, you know, without clothes on. Cause like it, it, it really disturbs my own self-confidence. It's not it's not even about him, you know, how he feels about me. I know he loves me, but it, you know, if you don't feel good about yourself, you're not going to be, um, you know, you're not going to be confident. And so it, it, I feel like it interferes with our intimacy, you know, because of my confidence, not because of him. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's why I said, like, you know, if I would just wish I had some type of warning or some type of mental preparation or psychological or emotional preparation, um, you know, ahead of this mastectomy. And I really think that should be mandated if you're not going to be putting expanders in, you know, for a woman to have to go through that and, you know, and have to experience the after effects because you're not prepared for it. You don't know what to expect. You don't, you know, it's just you're going through the emotions and 
it's very difficult. And I will tell people cancer is not a physical diagnosis. It affects every aspect of your life. It is a big psychological and emotional diagnosis as well. It affects everything, your family, your finances, your work life, everything. Yeah, yeah so, that's so true. That's so true. Yeah. So, so, wow. I mean, it's just so heavy. I, and, and I really, I can't thank you enough for just being vulnerable uh, with me and, and talking through mm-hmm. this. I know it's, I know it's difficult. So t- two more questions. Um, mm-hmm. What are some things that you're doing to try to cope with everything? You mentioned, you know, prosthetics. Is there anything else that you're doing that's sort of helping you work through these things? Um, well, I did get, I did, um, you know, find a therapist. Um, so I, I really, you know, do believe that, you know, anyone with a cancer diagnosis should have therapy. Um, but I, I think that, I, I guess, you know, the, 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 one of the things as a woman you can do, you know, or that made me feel better, like, you know, just still trying to, okay, let's just strap on a prosthetic bra and put on a dress that you can wear and, you know, still go out and have, you know, lunch or, you know, brunch with girlfriends or whatever. Like it took my mind, it took my mind off the fact that, you know, I'm the person here with so many physical ailments at this time. Like it just took my mind off it or, you know, finding your happy place. If I could sit near a beach every day and listen to the waves that's what I would do so we just came back from the beach and I just need to hear the waves you know Mm. like that is my happy place going to the beach or you know I try to uh you know I try to push through my resilience with through my children you know and just trying to do things with them that I continue to do like you know whether it's baking or with them or going out so we have a garden you know Mm. Yeah. with tomatoes and you know all kind of fresh vegetables and fruit and just trying to find those things to escape you know that's good that's good yeah. sounds like you've got some some great things you're doing and some great people around you so that's that's so important um so yeah. last question then uh, do you have mm-hmm. any final advice for our listeners possibly someone who's been newly diagnosed Ooh. I would say the first thing is be kind to yourself. <laughs> that would be the first, you know, the first thing and just know it's not your fault. It's not anything that you did. You're not being punished. Um, you know, I know you're going to go through those emotions of like, why me? Mm. But now I look at it as, you know, this is what, you know, God wanted me to go experience in my journey and to be a testimony to other people. Um, and now I look at it as, you know, not only has this made me, I feel like it's making me a better person and more sympathetic and more understanding. But um, I feel like my my story is, um, you know, I've been able to reach other women too and have other women, you know, under the age of 40 who looks like me, you know, to say, you know, you need to check your tatas, you need to check your breasts, you know, um, you may have a lump there that's cancerous. Um, it doesn't matter if you don't have any known family history or it doesn't matter if you're 55 because this is not this is not a typical breast cancer. What people need to know is that breast cancer is not a typical old lady's disease. Mm. It's affecting yeah. more and more younger women every day and younger yeah. women are dying, you know, 
at alarming rates as well, especially in the African American population. So, mm-hmm. um, to that to that woman who is newly diagnosed, just just have some grace. Be kind to yourself. Know that you're going to get through it. You know, be your own self advocate, um, and also join a support group. You know, mm-hmm. that's going to help you. Um, being amongst other breasties. It's not so much that what we, what we have to say for another woman who's in my journey or in her survivorship, because we understand each other because we're going through the same similar things, you know. Mm-hmm. So I definitely yeah. say that would help as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's good. That's good advice. Uh, well, Latoya, I, I just want to thank you for, for being vulnerable about something that's so difficult and so personal. I know it's, I know it's not easy, but I hope that you know that you're an inspiration and that you are impacting so many people through sharing your story. And I, I just I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to do that with us today. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. And I hope that, you know, I was able to resonate through at least one person a day, then that's all worth it. So I really appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> this program is supported by Amgen. Amgen strives to serve patients by transforming the promise of science and biotechnology into therapies for patients with serious illnesses. Learn more at amgen.com. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.